Welcome to For 10 Points, the best podcast on the web for everything Quiz Bowl related. Whether you're a player, a coach, or just trying to improve, we can help you get better. I'm your host, Ken Romeo, and with me, as always, is my co-coach, Andrew Turiago. Mr. T, how you doing? Doing very well, Ken. Uh, happy to be here. Excited to uh, be putting on my thinking cap today. Very apropos, as we will have uh, later on in the show, the uh, the the founder, the uh, creator, one of the one of the people behind the Thinking Cap Quiz Bowl competition um, that is uh, starting to go up all across the country, and we'll be talking about that a little bit. Fall is in the air; the leaves are changing. Are you sick of pumpkin spice yet? Are you a pumpkin? Are you a pumpkin uh, guy? I'm, I'm not a pumpkin spice guy, uh, but I do have a pumpkin in my classroom that I picked up from Trader Joe's for just about two dollars, and I would say uh, very well spent two dollars uh, because it kind of you know, brings the whole room together. One pumpkin brings the whole room together. Room, room, room together. Whole room together. It does. It does. Because uh, you have to keep reminding those kids, hey, Halloween's in eight days. So um, are, are you are you like Spartan when it comes to how you decorate your classroom? And uh, I, I try not to be too overindulgent. I think uh, having knickknacks all over the place, uh, you know, I, I will tell you, learning. there is nothing better than when you share a classroom with a teacher that just like, do you mind if I use this? But yes, that is your bulletin board. You yeah. put whatever you want up there. Just give me a little space to put up some quiz bowl stuff. Mm-hmm. And other than that, the whole room is yours. You decorate it how you please. Mm-hmm. I will say I'm a pumpkin pie guy. Okay. I don't think there's anything else pumpkin related that, that I, I need. My family does the roasted pumpkin seeds. That's the, Oh, that's the pumpkin good seeds. Good. good oh, so, so my wife is a pumpkin decorator. She likes carving pumpkins or whatever. Jack-o-lantern. And she makes, she makes the seeds and, by the handful, man. I can just eat They're that really stuff good. by the handful. Okay. Well, uh, coming up next month, we will be hosting our Charter Oak Tournament. It's the first uh, middle school tournament that our players are going to be playing in, and we're excited about that. But competition has started uh, all over the country. Scores are starting to roll in. Results are rolling in, and I think uh, we should take a look at the scoreboard. Sounds great. It's time to take a look around the country and dive into the tournament results that have been posted. All right, so we begin in uh, California, the Stratford-Fremont Middle School Invitational, which was last Saturday, October 19th. They were using MS-31. It was in Stratford School in Fremont, California. Andrew, what happened? And I've heard the winning team was Challenger Almadine, which went 9-0, defeating the likes of Hopkins, Bret Hart, Churchill, and Stratford Sunnyvale A to claim the title. And Ken, based on these stats, they never really played a close game. Really? They played Bret the Hitman hard? They did. He was the excellence of execution, though. Well, he was the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. Not this time. All right. Uh, and seventh grader Aaron Parser from Challenger Almadine averaged an eye-popping 186 points per game. Uh, and he powered 89 of the 180 toss-ups he heard. I'm not a math teacher, Ken, but I think that's close to 50%. Pretty close. Uh, and Challenger Almadine is coached by Usha Parser. So. Then we move over to Tennessee, the Gallatin Middle School Fall Invitational, which was the same day using the same packet held by Gallatin High School in Tennessee. It was a big day for coaches Robert Ehrman and Victor Gardner and the White Station Quiz Bowl team from Memphis, Tennessee, as they swept the podium and finished first, second, and third. You always love to see that, Ken. Uh, their A team went 9-0, and and both their B and C teams went 8-1. and So congrats to them and to a fantastic program on a great day. Uh, the previous Saturday down in Texas, the 
uh, TQBA, the Texas Quiz Bowl Alliance, Lions Lair Invitational MS31. This is uh, this was held at St. Mark's School of Texas in Dallas. Now, don't confuse that with St. Mark's. That's a different school. So if you're looking up statistics, there's the St. Mark's School of Texas in Dallas, and then there's St. Mark's. Andrew, what happened? Uh, so the winning team, Green Hill A, finished 8-1. Uh, they defeated the host school, St. Mark's School of Texas A, in the finals 390 to 325. It was very close. They had lost to St. Mark's School of Texas A, 455 to 255 in the final round of the preliminary, so they got their revenge. Uh, and the top individual scorer was eighth grader Aditya Shiva Swami of St. Mark's School of Texas A, who averaged over 100 points per game in preliminaries. That is a lot of points per game. Uh, and I'd like to say congratulations to the Green Hill coaching staff, uh, Henna Ababaker, Lee Hark, and Sybil uh, Panambalam, all of whom did a fantastic job with their team. So, uh, interestingly, uh, speaking of Texas, I think this is a good segue. Um, er- earlier this week, we got a letter uh, to our email address, and you can feel free if you have questions, reach Ken, out to what's us. what's that email address? I was just about to give it, Andrew. It's like you read my mind, or uh, at least read the show notes that we have in front of us. Um, our email address is 410points at gmail.com. That's for the number 10 points at gmail.com. And uh, so it was someone who is familiar with middle school quiz bowl in Texas. Say, hello, I'm helping out with a middle school program uh, in Texas, and uh, while I was listening to your podcast, I was so impressed with the frequency with which your team, Middlesex, uh, meets for practice. Our team currently meets Wednesdays for 45 minutes before school, and only about a third of the team members attend, and Thursday for 45 minutes after school, and that's when most of the regulars attend. Although we have about 40 kids on on the team roster, I would say less than a handful seem to be growing meaningfully as players, and those kids are the ones who invest time outside meetings and studying. Our team wants to be competitive on the state and national level, but it feels like a tough climb if most of the team only practices together once a week for 45 minutes. I want to try to convince the administration to schedule a few more meetings, but we are often up against the mentality that these kids already have so much going on. Do you think there is a minimum amount of meeting time each week for a team to become more competitive? Currently, I host practices at my house for many of the kids on the A and B teams, but I worry that we are excluding kids who might have great potential if given more time to practice. I do encourage the kids to study outside of practice, but the less the team meets, the more it feels like the gaps are uh, the gaps we were asking the students to fill are too big. Any advice? Okay. So, so, so Mr. T, any advice? Absolutely. Um, so my first thought is uh, the amount of time that you spend practicing for Quiz Bowl, in a sense, is going to correlate with your results, right? We had that interview uh, a few podcasts ago where their practice time is actually in their curriculum. Ken, what school was that? Oh, uh, right. That was um, the Liberty Middle School yep. in um, in Alabama. Yeah, I, I don't know how many hours they got a week to, to practice, but we I remember Ken and I both walked away going, wow, it'd be so nice to have that time. Um, and so it, se- it sounds like uh, what this person is looking for and uh, what a lot of people might be looking for is a way to uh, kind of encourage kids to practice outside of school. Uh, and, you know, uh, someone at some point invented the idea of homework, uh, and that idea has been very controversially uh, debated ever since. Uh, and I think my immediate thought is not that. It's to do something like having the kids pick a buddy 
uh, and then giving them uh, some questions that they'll just need to answer the next time they meet. Uh, and then keeping track of their scores, keeping track of which buddy groups do the best, uh, and kind of putting the ball in kids' court, right? If we learned anything from Mr. O'Donnell, then it's that uh, giving kids a little bit more responsibility, uh, giving kids a little bit more freedom to uh, manage their own time and and uh, tackle these kinds of things on their own is a, is a good thing. Uh, I would also have these students, I would introduce them to something like ProtoBowl or QuizDB, um, which are great things for kids to access in any piece of their spare time that they have. Uh, I've seen kids using those two apps at lunch or at recess even. Um, uh, so something like QuizDB is, is also a phone app. I know I have it on my phone, and sometimes I'll be uh, waiting for a particularly slow escalator, elevator, uh, and uh, just kind of scrolling through some questions, and I imagine that kids could do the same thing. Uh, and I think, Ken, one of, my, one of my things that I've been thinking about a lot recently, um, I actually watched the, uh, the finals of the Scripps Spelling Bee. Have you heard of that, Ken? Y-E-S. Yes. Okay. Uh, you don't need the language of origin or anything like that. You just... You just N-O. Okay. Perfect. Uh, so the Scripps Spelling Bee is an academic competition, and I think in terms of academic competitions, it's probably the flagship academic competition. I'd uh, say so. It's, Unless it's you count like Jeopardy. I, I, yeah, I don't know, right? Exactly. It's the biggest one. It's the one that people know the most about. Um, there's been movies like Aquila and the Bee made about it. Uh, and I think that these kinds of intellectual... Isn't there also a Broadway play? There might have been, yeah. yeah. I think these kinds of things are intellectual competitions, I'm going to call them, are getting tougher every year, Ken. Um, because I watched in the finals this year, after 20 rounds or so, uh, eight students did not miss a single word. So they were all crowned co-champions. Um, and when I think about Shiva winning uh, nationals uh, a couple years ago uh, and how he just demolished all of those questions and, and was able to, to power most of them. Make a mockery out of that. Uh, if, if I'm, yeah, I think if that I'm was not his exact quoting, words. Yeah, if I'm not quoting, not his words, but the words of NAQT, if I'm not quoting them directly, um, then it's certainly close to what they were talking about. Yep, they, they were mentioning that uh, these, these kids and these students who are studying for these competitions are just getting better every day. And uh, I think you definitely have the right idea to uh, have them be using their own time um, and to maybe even be a little frustrated by uh, having to uh, curate their their time uh, so carefully because, you know, uh, 45 minutes uh, around the school day is a significant amount, but it's not going to be able to uh, reach those peaks that these other kids are getting to. Yeah, it, it is frustrating when you want them to practice more and you are getting resistance from... Uh, from administration, and you know, everyone thinks they know what's what's best for everybody else. Unfortunately, um, I, I wish I could tell you exactly this is how much time you need in in order to in order to guarantee success. But there isn't a minimum amount. Uh, you know, Jacob last year from from Hunter, the the team that won, he he'd spent an hour a morning mm-hmm. uh, on the train preparing. Um, so, uh, Andrew, I like what you say about giving the students a little bit more responsibility. If you have a program that's as large as 40 kids, <clears throat> I think that's great. Uh, you can't expect all 40 to be that gung-ho, though. Mm-hmm. You know, we have 60-plus continuing this year, and, you know, on our ancillary practice days, we might get 15 mm-hmm. kids who come. And even of, of, of those 15, 
I'm really curious to see who's really going to stick with it next year once they see they're, they're being passed by some sixth graders and seventh graders that are just working a little bit harder. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, I can understand that it is a little discouraging when you have a large group, but you they don't seem to be putting in the effort that you want. It's just it's not going to happen. If you have eight or ten that do, um, the any time you can give them outside of school is is uh, is going to be appreciated. I also think something like um, running mock tournaments is a really good idea because uh, students can start to see that like uh, they start to see where their practice goes. They have an outlet for their practice because that student who's spending the extra time after school or on their own time studying things that related to quiz bowl. If you have mock tournament and they come out on top, they feel very rewarded by the way that they've spent their time. And maybe other students who haven't been using their time as wisely um, will start to pick up the pace. And if you do have a group that large, uh, one of the better outlets for something so large is something like the Thinking Cap competition because it's, uh, it's amenable for large groups. So today, we are very lucky to be joined by Harvey and Shirley Kimball, a dynamic duo who are intimately familiar with academic competition. Uh, He has taught history as well as gifted students in public education for over 40 years. And during that time, he and his wife, Shirley, wondered why there were no digital options available for elementary school students. As avid Trivial Pursuit players, they decided to fill that need and began offering their computer-based contests across Illinois. A few years later, they would expand to 7th and 8th grade and across the country with what is now known as the Thinking Cap. Harvey and Shirley, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Could you tell us how you got the idea for Thinking Cap? Well, as um, my bio said, I worked with uh, high school kids. We did quiz bowls, and uh, I saw there were no quiz bowl uh, online available for elementary and so I tried that with uh, local in Iowa and then I tried it in Illinois and it looked like a go so my wife and I decided to start the business well we're very thankful that you did so for those of you that are unfamiliar with it it's a hundred questions it's um, it's multiple choice and you have your entire team uh, working together answering these questions um so just tell us what kind of questions are included well we try and uh, include um all kinds of questions that students would uh have familiarity with in school probably we have questions in uh, language arts both uh, grammar and uh yeah we, and, we, uh, we noticed a trend anytime there's a question how many parts of speech are in this sentence none of our kids know anything about parts of speech uh but i say you know what Next time, the answer is always going to be seven. There are always seven parts of speech. It always just seems to be that you write a question with seven parts of speech in it. Well, as an English teacher, I don't like to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, you know, I, I learned all of my grammar from my Latin classes in uh, in middle school. Um, I don't think they teach much. You're an English teacher. Yeah, Mr. I learned T. a lot of mine in Spanish classes from right. high school. Right, and, and it's, not, it's not part of the English curriculum anymore, right? Not necessarily, no. No. Um, so are, are there any categories that you don't ask about? Yes. <laughs> we, we try to stay away from really controversial things. We're not, we're not going to do a lot of questions on uh, the Christian religion or the Jewish religion. We're not going to do a lot of questions on uh, uh, pop culture. We try to stay away from actors and actresses. Sure. And, 
Yeah, I, n- I noticed um, there are some sports questions, but but you do stay yeah. away from Hollywood and television. Like there might be one about Charlie Chaplin or something, but nothing current. And we try and make the sports questions not too much uh, current. There might be a question about a, a National League team, but uh, most of them are like uh, questions for uh, Little League players or soccer players who sure. uh, would know it. Sure, that's actually that's something else I remember, questions about rules of sports. Uh, our our teams uh, have have struggled with as well. Yeah. Uh, well, the kids do love it. I think you, if you if you haven't in uh, any recent year been in a room with with forty uh, sixth graders shouting over each other, uh, I know it. I know it. I know it. It's B. I'm sure. Uh, then that's that's definitely an experience. So my question, to all of you, would be: What do you hope kids get out of the competition? Well, it's interesting to hear you use forty kids as a group. Um, we hope we hope any class could do this. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't have to be gifted students, uh, and if they are, then there's going to be questions that will challenge them. But we'd just like to hear that a, a class or a group of uh, uh, students did this, enjoyed it, and had a good time, and that's what we want to really do. And learned a little bit. Right. Uh, but, you know, it, it is a competition, and... Um, in the words of uh, former Jets coach uh, and Arizona State coach Herman Edwards, <clears throat> you play to win the game. <clears throat> so um, if teams are preparing for this competition, what, what strategies would you recommend? You know, we have some things that, w- that we think work, but, you know, here we are talking to the, the founders, the creators, the writers of the question. What strategies would you recommend for teams playing? Well, I think it's really important to practice the contest you're going to take. I mean, we provide practice tests, uh, or if you've taken our competition before, you know that the next year that contest you took is a practice free. And uh, it's really important that kids do that just to be familiar with how the thing works. The other thing is to have a variety of students' uh, backgrounds. Some students are strong in math. Some are in uh, language arts. Others uh, sports sports or anything um the other thing is i think some students guess too quickly i think in math problems since there's two choices uh that you get two chances then uh you're better off to work out the problem and get more points on the first one than you are just to guess. Oh my goodness. You're preaching to the choir. Oh my goodness. You'd have no idea how many times I've you know, gently suggested to my kids, hey, take the time to do the math. And once you know what calculation needs to be done, call it out and let the people that are good at calculating calculate the answer. And that that gentleness turns into just outright berating them. Like, stop being lazy and do the math. (laughs) The other thing I, I, I tell our, our players as they're in the room, um, you know, they're, of the 100 questions, I would say you know, 90 of them you'll either all know immediately or you won't know at all. And, uh, you know, you'll, it doesn't matter. You're just going to throw two guesses to the wind at that point. But there are the 10 questions out of the 100 that really need to be hashed out and thought about and debated. And... Um, so how would you 
what what advice would you give to coaches or captains or teams on on how to discuss those questions? I think if if the kid doesn't know the answer, don't say anything. If you absolutely know the answer, then yes, shout it out and narrow it down at least to a couple answers. And then debate it if you want, but Sometimes kids are yelling out; they don't even know it. Yeah, they just—they like to hear the sound of their own voice. I—I uh, I, I know a few people like that. It—it <laughs> it also takes a strong person to be the keyboard operator. It definitely does. Yeah, we, we call them the helm. So we have the captain, and then we have the helm, and they're—they're they're two different positions. Because what I don't want is, you know, my best player to have control of the keyboard and just answer things without having the team to you know, think about it, you know, kind of robs them of the opportunity to, to think and robs them of the fun, you know. Yes, I had a excellent student in high school. I had to have him count to four before he could answer. Because <laughs> <laughs> the bonus can, comes after five seconds. Then. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, and he used to count pretty fast. But anyway, there's also in our program the fact that you can – not go on to the next question and kind of take a time out and talk things over a little bit so it, you can improve your strategy for the next set of questions. That's actually, um, that's actually a really good point. So, um, you know, we, we obviously see uh, similarities between thinking cap and the old knowledge master open. <clears throat> and, uh, and you actually, you know, we'll, we'll talk about this in a, in a minute or two. You said that this idea came from, uh, your experience with the Knowledge Master Open, but for the for the KMO, it gave you the category, and then in a couple of seconds, the question was on the screen. But for Thinking Cap, it gives you the category, and then it's up to you to decide whether to go on to the next screen. And our students, uh, on their own, have started the idea of brainstorming a little bit, and uh, very often they will come up with what the question's going to be and what the answer is. So when, when they see something like you know the the 2017 World Series. Um, they just say, okay, who won it? Who was the MVP? Who, who, who lost? Uh, stuff like that. And so when the question comes up, it only takes a certain amount of time to find the answer. They really don't have to think about it that much anymore. I, don't, I think your kids are good because I don't think everybody does that. I think, uh, I think they've done okay in the last couple of years. Right. Uh, I see your quite a bit for our rewards. Hmm. So our question then, that, that's a perfect segue into – what schools and states are, in your opinion, the strongest? What do you see? Where are you constantly having to mail out those awards? Well, we, uh, we have an awful lot of uh, uh, awards go to uh, Eastern United States. Really, they, Eastern scores high, it seems like, uh, overall. It's that uh, East Coast bias, man. I guess. Although, we'll see this year, it's a little earlier this year for you, so maybe uh, you haven't had as much school as you've had in the past. That's true. That's true. You know, we we certainly here in in Middlesex uh, keep an eye on uh, Chambly down in Georgia um, in the... Uh, in the in the middle school division and um, Ann Arbor in the uh, elementary division, um, we, we keep an, uh, our eye on them. Um, so just to just to finish our discussion today, uh, you, we mentioned the Knowledge Master Open, which uh, ceased operation a couple of years ago. 
you uh, ran a club that competed in the Knowledge Master Open in high school. Um, when I was in junior high, we did a Knowledge Master Open, and um, you know we're going back to the mid '90s there. Um, when did when did Thinking Cap begin? Okay, so uh, so then who got to the middle school market first, you or them? I, I would say they did. Okay. Although, uh, having done their competitions, you know that theirs were much harder than ours. Our goal is not to stump people. Right. And I think it always felt kind of like theirs was more like trying to stump you, where I try to write the question so that most people would be able to come up with the answer. Then it becomes a factor of time. Right. Who can do it? Except for, like, as you, I don't know that there's 10, but I do try to put some hard ones in. Um, and, and so you guys have the, the regional competitions and then um, the American Answer, America Answers competition. Is there any difference in the uh, uh, difficulty level between those two? I try to make American answers a little harder. Okay. You usually succeed, I think. Yeah, I, w- I would say so. We usually do a little bit better in, in regionals than we do uh, in, in the national one. But um, but we're, we are looking forward to it. I know Middlesex is competing um, in uh, middle of November for the sixth grade and the following week for seventh and eighth grade. And uh, we've been... We've been practicing and, uh, and getting our strategies down. And uh, we're looking forward to it again. Uh, this year yeah uh thank you so much really uh harvey and shirley uh we really appreciate you taking your time to come and talk to us um and uh thank you for thinking caps it's a great it's a it's a great way for our kids to to practice and study well just let people know that there's still time to get into the (laughs) november contest can you just Uh, tell us tell everyone how to do that well they would go to uh thinkingcapfootball.com and they would uh, find a registration form, and they would uh, fill it out, and they could fax it in, or they could email it in. And I'm very flexible on give me a PO number or tell me the checks in the mail, and by and large, everybody's on it. I will also say, having dealt with you guys um, for many years now, you're also flexible about contest dates because in the past, Connecticut has always been over our February break, and you're always very good about letting us compete either a little bit earlier or a little bit later um, in order to to get the competition in. Um, So that is Thinking Cap Quiz Bowl, and uh, uh, hopefully hopefully you guys are going to see a, a spike in uh, your registration and we are looking forward to it in November. Thank you very much for coming on today. Thank you. So Ken, you mentioned a few of the strategies uh, that we uh, use for thinking caps, uh, such as the helm, the captain. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. So our, uh, our captain, uh, sometimes it's our best player. It doesn't always have to be your best player. Are they sitting at the computer, Ken? No, no, no. I don't want the the captain and the helm to be the same person. I want um, just to make sure that there's a last line of defense. The helm can say, "Are, are we sure we're going to do this?" But but the captain is is someone who you trust to facilitate a discussion on those ten or so questions that need a discussion. So there there's someone who's not um, 
they're not afraid to tell some of their teammates to, to quiet down and listen to somebody else. And they're they're also diplomatic. They will listen to to everybody in the room, not just the, the loudest people, not just their friends, not just the person who they think is the best player, but that quiet person that never says anything. Now they they're, now they're choosing to say it's D. You know, you want someone who's diplomatic like that. Sounds like a Picard and not a Kirk. <laughs> exactly. Um, maybe an Archer. <clears throat> um, we also have, uh, I think, the most important people out there, the most important uh, job we give out are people we call not, not, people. not people. You'll see a question on the screen, and it'll say, which of the following is not a state capital? And if you are a geography expert and you see A is Baton Rouge and you read it so quickly that you miss the word not, you're going to say A and we're going to listen to you. We're going to enter A and we're going to be incorrect. So the not people are your loud people, the people. The, the people you're usually telling to, to quiet down. Exactly. When they see the word not or isn't or doesn't, they yell not, and that should flick the switch in your brain. So now you're going from you're looking for state capitals to you're looking for the thing that isn't, and you can say, oh, it's D, it's New York City. Clearly, that's not a state capital. Well, we give a job to uh, someone to watch the clock. There's, mm -hmm. a, there's a counter that goes from 60 down to zero. Uh, after 25 seconds, so when the clock reads 35, there's no extra bonus that's given out so, so if it's if it's i might if it's 35 seconds or it's one second i might as well take the extra 30 seconds or so to deliberate and make sure i get my answer right right and so we'll have someone say no bonus when it gets to 35 though i think you get two tries so usually around five seconds or so they make their first guess and if, if that happens to be wrong then they make their second guess. right right um, we, we also, we mentioned the brainstorming before questions begin. Um, we do some uh, some brainstorming. Yeah, I, I love when I see kids uh, start talking about, like, the, the it'll pop up and they'll say Great Lakes, and they're like, uh, Superior, uh, Huron, I think, is one of the Great Lakes. Ontario, Ontario Erie, and Michigan. Yeah. Um, and then, oh, hey, it's one of the ones we were just talking about, you know. But one of the other things I, I, I'll stress, though, is if you're a player and you're – you know, they said it best. It's like some sometimes players just like to hear the sound of their voice, and they'll just a answer when they're not supposed to, or speak when they're not supposed to. And then that was one of the exactly. strategies they gave. If you don't know something, be silent. But if you do know something, speak up. Because if you do the opposite, if you're always just trying to enter, you're like trying to say something, eventually you become white noise, and the captain and everybody else will just drown you out. And there's no difference between. Saying, oh, D, I'm sure. And, like, really, I, I know this. I read it. I read it in a mm -hmm. book. Or, or um, <clears throat> yeah, and, and we use um, I'm sure that a specific phrase as a kind of nuclear button uh, that a kid can, can use and press uh, when they are so certain, they're 100% certain, 99% certain, because I fence. And so the answer is foil. And I know this. And I'm sure. Right, and if if that's the case, it's something that they don't overuse. It's kind of something they can keep in their back pocket, and then when they are a hundred percent certain, they they always get it. Uh, I, I would say though, if you are saying D, I'm sure, and you're still not being listened to, mm -hmm. I encourage students to justify your answer. So, which of these uh, which of these sports uses a foil? Mm -hmm. And you know, there it is, D fencing and saying, D, I'm sure, and no one's listening to you. Guys, it's D, and no one's listening to you. Speak up and say, hey, everybody, I fence. Mm -hmm. 
I'm D. I'm telling you, yeah. it's it's D. Like the the more you can say to justify your answer, the mm-hmm. better. Just repeating D, it's D, it's D, it's D. It just becomes yeah. white noise, and I, people. I really around. liked when a student um, in practice said something like, "I've been playing trumpet for twelve years," and they were like, "We're gonna go with that guy," and his answer was right about which part of the All right, a middle part. schooler playing trumpet for twelve years. He he may have been exaggerating, uh, Ken. Possibly, but obviously you're 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 adding a level of credibility to mm. to your guess. Um, uh, that's that's needed when when there is some debate. Uh, I I will tell you that there are some quiz bowl purists out there that will look at something like Thinking Cap and w- wouldn't even give it a second thought. Coaches, I I I think I think your team will be served very well in doing this competition because um, there there is a skill of uh, working together. There is a skill of, of collaboration that a competition like this really, really feeds into. And uh, our team, I feel, is better off having done this competition um, when we compete in, quote-unquote, pure quiz bowl tournaments. Mm -hmm. But, you know, if you are really interested in succeeding at pure quiz bowl tournaments, it helps to power questions. And in order to power questions, you might be interested in something like this week's buzz phrase. The guys at For 10 Points want to help you answer for 15 points. Power a question with this episode's buzz phrase. So this week's buzz phrase comes from the 2015 Prison Bowl 8. Uh, Ken, is that held in an actual prison? Yes. Uh, In in a bowl in a prison. In a bowl in a prison. Okay. Uh, And uh, the question is, an oratorio by this composer begins with the prelude, Representation of Chaos after which a spine-tingling C major fortissimo chord erupts on the last word of the chorus singing, There Was Light. The penultimate of this composer's symphonies opens with a drum roll in the timpani. In the second quiet movement of another symphony, this composer of the creation oratorio included a sudden fortissimo chord, giving it the nickname the Surprise Symphony. This composer wrote two sets of six symphonies during his time in London for 10 points. Name this Austrian composer and father of the symphony. And, and of course, that is Franz Josef Haydn. So the creation oratorio and the mention of the surprise symphony, there's no surprise that we're looking for Joseph Haydn. But the buzz phrase here is the representation of chaos. A little background on Haydn. Haydn was born the son of the mayor of a small Austrian village on the border of Hungary. When Haydn displayed some musical talent as a child, his parents agreed to let him live with Johann Matthias Frank, a relative who was the schoolmaster and choir master of a school in Hainburg. Though Haydn did not enjoy living with Frank, it certainly put him on a successful path. As Frank's apprentice, Haydn learned to play several instruments and started to sing in his choir. Haydn's singing was good enough to earn him a spot as a tenor in the prestigious choir at St. Stephen's Cathedral in Vienna. He was still a young man, but as his voice changed, he struggled to hit the higher notes. And it is said that Empress Maria Theresa voiced her displeasure and even referred to his singing as crowing. Yikes. Not good. Haydn then turned his attention to music theory Correctly. And, be- <laughs> and, began, uh, and began to create some of the best music of the turn of the 19th century. His first major work was a comedic opera whose title translates to The Lame Devil. It had two successful performances before being canceled because of offensive language. 
Haydn worked his way up and found himself as the music director of the royal court of Prince Nicholas. He traveled to London in the 1790s, and his music became the talk of the town. It's there where he wrote his famous London and Surprise symphonies. London is also where Haydn heard the oratorios of Handel, which may have served as the inspiration for the source material of the question. Back in Vienna, richer and more famous, Haydn worked with his mentor, the librettist Gottfried von Sweeten, and produced his two great oratorios, The Creation in 1798 and The Seasons in 1801. The Creation, of course, is an allusion to the creation story in the book of Genesis. The Creation conveys the creation of Earth, the animals, and Adam and Eve, and portrays their time in Eden. It includes the wonderful choral piece, The Heavens Are Telling the Glory of God, but it opens with the representation of chaos. The Bible starts in the beginning when God created the heavens and earth. There was chaos. As uh, George Pretora, uh, Predota from interlude.hk puts it, somewhat surprisingly, Haydn starts his portrayal titled The Representation of Chaos with a unison C played by the full orchestra. It has no harmony, no dissonance, no melody, and no rhythmic pulse only an extended decrescendo on this single note. So the next time you hear a question looking for a composer and it mentions the uh, the representation of chaos in the beginning of the question, take a chance, buzz in, and say, Haydn. Ken, you may be surprised to know that uh, my college nickname was actually representation of chaos. Oh, your puns, man. Your puns. It is always the, I, I'm, the season I'm a, I'm of your a liar. puns. I'm a liar. It was actually the lame devil. <laughs> <laughs> so with that, uh, I want to thank you for joining us this week on uh, uh, 410 Points, the best podcast on the web for everything Quizball related. Uh, hopefully, whether you are a player, a coach, or just trying to improve, we have helped you get better. This is Andrew Turiago signing off for Ken Romeo. See you guys next time.